This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Back of the Nest. Match preview podcast. www.backofthenest.com Hello and welcome to the Back of the Nest preview podcast. I'm Mike, in again to cover Terence, who is still away. Uh, this time he's at the Camera Real Ales OGM Weekender. Uh, so he'll be back next week. Um, but joining me, as ever, is Heskiff and Albert, who's back from holiday. Uh, producer Sam is, is sick, but she will be joining us. She'll be editing this, hopefully, so you will get this before the game. Uh, I am fairly confident about um, otherwise, we're probably going to be talking to no one, but uh, let's hope so. Uh, this is a bumper episode. We'll be looking back at the Bournemouth game as well as previewing um, the tough trip to uh, Watford up north. Um, and we shall uh, try and keep it succinct for you. So, yes, big week with lots of action to analyse. Um, we'll be back straight after this. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So Albert, uh, I you avoided doing a pod with me last week. Um, how are you doing? Yeah, I mean, uh, it wasn't intentional, mate. Um, and it's nice to see that you've taken on the mantle of accusing me of going on holiday when I just haven't been on holiday. Um, 
But you know, all, all good, mate. Back in the game. I mean, I do have crying child here, uh, which was the reason why I couldn't do the pod last week. But I just like to make very clear, especially if anybody from the social services is listening, my wife is here tonight, so she she's dealing with that. Um, so yeah, it's it's nice to be back. So rather than offending social services, you're just sounding like some fifties guy that leaves his wife to do all the yeah the labour. I've okay. already I've already stuck my head out the door and said you couldn't shut him up, could you? <laughs> Great. And uh, Hesky, feeling a bit worse for wear. Please uh, fill everyone in on why you have been feeling absolutely terrible today. Well, um, yesterday was the first of many Christmas do's that my work does, um, which started at midday uh, in the student union bar. And we then went to play social darts at Flight Club in Shoreditch, which was quite fun. What's social darts? Well, oh, I don't know. That's what it's called. You basically just you're just playing darts against people that you work with, right? Okay, but it's it just, was free... just just darts then. That's just, just darts, darts yeah. isn't it? It was a free bar, and now that I, is social. It's very. I was very social. I was making the most of the free bar, and I didn't eat anything all day, and I got quite competitive. My team got to the final, and I don't really care about stuff like that. But then there was a guy on the other team who was cheating. And at one point, I was just standing behind him, booing him. How do you cheat at darts? Well, he was very good. And you're supposed to have five people in a team. And he was going for other people. He was taking their goes, even though they were there. Ah, oh, gotcha. Now that is cheating. And what, what a bastard. I made a fuss about it. And apparently, when I woke up this morning, um, still drunk, I mean, absolutely steaming, um, I'd talked to a lot of friends on my phone about it. Um, which I don't remember, but I wasn't happy, and I use swear words about it. Did you uh, get any one eighties? Uh, no, alas, no. I. It turned to be honest when I started, I didn't know whether to throw with my left or right hand. It is at the level that I'm at, um, but I ended up being all right. But I think it was more fluke than. You know, you were loose. You you you'd loosened up with the booze. I had, That's yeah, what it was. and then it turns out. Throw it with your left hand if you're left-handed. So that's what I did. Good uh, good rules for any sport, really. Um, and then I went to work and made it through the day. And now I'm very tired. But here we are. Can I just say, you have skipped out. You have skipped a, a bit out of Which your is... story. <laughs> just looking at your Twitter feed from last night. Yeah. Uh, 22 hours ago. When was that? So that's not... But, but so that then. was... About half ten, which yeah. is, I guess is fairly late, especially if you've been drinking since half twelve. Yeah. In capital letters, <laughs> if you ain't palace, you ain't fucking shit. Hashtag CPFC. Yeah, I don't remember writing that, but I saw it this morning and I stand by it. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can go with that as well. <laughs> Fair so enough. I'm going to presume yeah. that the beer check this week will be quite poor, but let's uh, let's go for it anyway. What kind of beer do you like? Heineken. Heineken? Fuck that shit! Pabst Blue Ribbon! Um, I'm drinking fizzy water. Oh, at least it's fizzy this week. I thought I'd go. I'd go a little bit, a little bit bougie. I think they say. 
Mm, as opposed to boozy like last night. Exactly. Uh, no, no surprises at my end. Uh, I'm drinking a Heineken, Mike. What about you? Some sort of disco forklift, baby nappy, pony unicorn glitter bomb, something my, like that. My the pony unicorn glitter bomb was was gone while we were waiting to record. I've, I've actually got a bottle of Singtel now, but. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I tried last episode in Terence's place to go with something funky, and it tasted like shit. So I'm sticking to sticking to what I know. <laughs> um, right, let's crack on because we have a lot to cover, um, and we've got some clips. So we're going to start with a clip from Rob. Um, thank you to everyone that, that contacted us, uh, Rob uh, included. Had to edit them down a little bit because this is a shorter show than uh, than Hambo's one, but. Uh, you make some good points. Let's go for them. What a result is Rob Wynn again. Oh, happy, happy days. That is a terrific performance. And I think, to be fair, that is our best win. For me, that's our best win. Down to 10 men for 17 minutes of the game. And we weren't even troubled. They had one decent shot, which um, Guate, he made a terrific save. He's world class, isn't he? He's world-class. We've got ourselves a world-class keeper. Yeah, well, what, what do you reckon about that, Heskiff? Um, I don't know if I go as far as say world-class yet, um, but I, I think Great is a, a yeah fantastic goalie. I mean, we've talked about the difference that it has on the, the you know the defence ahead of him compared to Hennessy. Um, he just he just inspires a lot more confidence and he makes important saves when he needs to. You know, he didn't have a huge amount to do against Bournemouth, but um, he made a very good save towards the end when he when he got down low to to a shot that took a bit of a deflection. Um, he is, I tell you what, he is world class at, and that's shit house time wasting, and I am here for it. Um, he knows exactly what he's doing when we need to eat the minutes up a bit, and um, I think cynic that I may be. Um, I think there's a place for that when it's in your team, and I love it. Eating the minutes up does sound like a euphemism, I've got to say. Um, but he did win the um, the Player of the Month awards. Um, he got 50% of the votes, apparently, according to the Palace website. Um, do you reckon that's, that's about that half? Uh, yeah, undoubtedly. I mean, we've it's been very well documented that we've been on a, a you know a tough run of fixtures against some really hard teams and. I think it, I mean it's 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 credit to the entire team. It's not just it's not just Guaita, but we've we've really I know I can't I can't pick one of those performances to say we were poor, you know, let alone embarrassed. You know, we I think we gave a really good account of ourselves. You know, particularly against Liverpool. Um, I think the only game where we sort of came up short, you know, Leicester was was a bit disappointing in the terms of performance. But you know, they've they've done way worse damage to better teams than us. And yeah, I think it's just, it's just epitomized, epitomized that, you know, we've, like I said, we've lost games. We, we've not been embarrassed and, and you know, the games that we've won in the last couple of weeks or even that the last sort of week, you know, there's been opportunities where, where the, you know, the, the, the narrow scoreline could have been even narrower and it hasn't been down to great saves from greater. So it, it's, you know, it's fully deserved. I think IU probably might have pushed him for it based on, the performances over the last two games, but yeah, I mean, he's a fantastic keeper and the confidence that he brings to 
not just the back four, just the whole team and and you know and everybody in the stadium. It's 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 a, such a, such a great great thing to see after having some slightly shady goalkeeping performances from various people um, over the last couple of seasons. You know, I really hope that he, he's around for a few more years. I don't know who you're referring to there. Um, outrageous. Um, Hands up if anybody knows who I'm referring to. I uh, I was speaking to a uh, Welsh fan that was excited about their um, passage to the Euros today, actually. So if you are talking about Wayne Hennessy, um, I will tell you that Welsh fans think he's a bit shaky as well. Uh, but yeah, the, the game itself, the Bournemouth game, if we get on to it, um, let's start with um, what people thought about uh, the best player on the pitch, uh, the man of the match, Jordan Ayew. Uh, and we've got Ebo, uh, the man that usually leaves comments for the review pod, saying a few words on the Ghanaian prince himself. For me, I think Ayew was man of the match. thought he, was, he ran his socks off, thought he was superb. I think, you know, when we went down to 10 men, I think he caused their centre-backs problems. And, uh, you know, tried to link up play, hold the ball up. Just thought he was awesome. Really did. I mean, this is a player that we all derided a little bit last season, but he's just been fantastic this season. I think today was just his best performance so far. Yeah, it's a bit worrying with uh, uh, Patrick going off, but Schluppy slipped in there. And what I liked about Schlupp going back there, he, he continued to try and push forward. Um, it would have been very easy for him just to sit back and try and defend. But no, he, he pushed forward. And, and seriously, when he got that ball, I just... My eyes just went boom, like that wolf in the, the cartoons where I just thought he's going to score here. I reckon Ebo had had a couple of points by the time he was. He talked about that. He made some good points, but when he got to the wolf bit, I think that only comes from sort of going to the victory for three or four points after the game. Uh, yeah, well, uh, talk, talk us through, Albert, what you think about... Um, Schlupp's performance at left-back uh, and IU's battling performance that he got man of the match for. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a brave man that tries to disagree with the uh, the choice of IU. I mean, there was fantastic performances all over the pitch. Uh, I thought Wilf, Wilf was, uh, was fantastic. Kiara was amazing, especially, you know, given the fact that he had to kind of slot back into, all right, it's a position he plays, but... He's not. He's he's barely played it in you know in our team. Um, I thought, yeah, everybody everybody was great, but as um as I just alluded to in the clip there, you know, Ayu did did everything but score and was very unlucky to not score about twenty seconds before Schlupp did. His hold up play was brilliant. His his effort and his closing down and I mean, it maybe it's more, maybe sorry, maybe it's less than I remember, but I just every, the number of fouls that he won. Um, off the Bournemouth players and just, you know, really kind of like slowed the game down and his hold up play was just outrageous. So I am not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try and do a Piers Morgan and, and, and pick something controversial just for the sake of it. I, f- I fully agree. I fully agree that he was man of the match. And Schlupp, I mean, yeah, listen, he's he's in the goals and, and, and off the bench as well. Um I think everybody was starting to scratch their heads a bit about how he, you know, always managed to find a way to get into the starting lineup. Um, but credit to him, he's come on, uh, and it's, it's weird actually because he sort of yeah he came on to slot in at left back yet you know the, and then all, all of a sudden there he is in kind of the centre of the pitch driving forward and and banging himself a good goal so 
not going to have a go at him in first positional sense there because it <laughs> ended in a goal. But yeah, every everybody everybody uh, played their part in that performance, and it was um, as, as the first clip said. I think, you know, it's definitely the best best performance that I've can I can note. All things considered, in in certainly a long while, you know the fact we're down to ten men, and and everybody just seemed to be on their game. And there was there was three or four that were really really at the at the, at the top of their game. So yeah, it was great all round. Well, there's an interesting point that I've actually had to cut out from uh, from Rob's. Uh, he left a, about a five minute voice message, and he pointed out that he didn't trust anyone more than Hodgson to. Uh, to get 10 men to, to, to produce the goods. And usually, uh, I'm trying to think, when we go down to 10, we invariably lose. So, Heskiff, did, what, did that make it extra sweet, do you think? It did. Um, a mate of mine, Miserable Dave, was actually on sabbatical from being miserable and said the same about Hodgson. And he's been slightly critical of Roy at times, as as I have, so I'm not, I'm not trying to dig him out. But he, he just said, you know, Roy... Roy's the manager you want in that position because he he knows how to get people organised. He knows um, how to have a set up in order to to sort of still play our own game. And I thought we were brilliant. I thought I thought you know Bournemouth played their part in that they were shit. But I think a lot of that has to do with our shape and and what we were able to do when we did get on the ball. Um, so yeah, I think I think there's a lot to be said for Roy's part in in that performance and. It after having had those five games against the the, the, the big teams or, or whatever you want to call them, to follow up a really good win away to Burnley with a performance of 70, 75 minutes with ten men, um, and come out with it with a deserved win as well. You know, it wasn't it wasn't like we were defending for our lives and sort of eked out one shot and scored. We we looked very good. Um so I think uh, yeah, as as much as that the players get are getting a lot of credit and deservedly so. I do think that Roy um, Roy played a big part in in us getting that win and um, pushing us up to European places. Yeah, unfortunately, our fifth position was stolen by Wolves, uh, those cheeky Wolves. But one of the things he did was actually discussing this before the game. We went to the red and blue bar um, in a bid to make sure that we got to our seats in good time. We thought we'd go very close uh, to the stadium. You can't go much closer than being in it. Um, we were discussing what would happen um, if there was an injury uh, in defence. And obviously there wasn't an injury. There was a red card. We'll get to that in a minute. But um, I suggested that he wouldn't play Riedeveld despite the fact he was on the bench just because he will never play Riedeveld and that we'd put Kuate at the, at the back. Um, and Chris Clark of this parish told me I was a crazy, crazy cracker. Um, and then he went ahead and did it. So I felt very vindicated and I felt like I knew what I was talking about for once. Um, let's have a let's have a quick one last comment from a listener. This is Rory uh, discussing Cuarte and being dumped at the back. Obviously, he has played uh, centre-back before for, for West Ham. Um, but yeah, this is what he had to say on that change. Cuarte at centre-back. What do you do? What do you do? He's playing really, really well. He's manning a match up to 20 minutes. He carries that on. He carries that on. And I don't know if that's his own self-belief. I don't know if that's a position he's played before. Um, it just felt like a proper Palace performance. Like, all hands on deck. 
it wasn't really a backs-against-the-wall mentality because the boys believed and Bournemouth weren't that good. I'd say one thing about Bournemouth, that manager's off. There's a lot to lot to dissect there, but I think what he's trying to say, and I would certainly agree, is that Kuate at centre-back um, was was almost a personification of the, of the gritty uh, Palace performance. And it didn't feel to me, standing watching it, um, like we were actually going to concede. Um, so it's good to know that Kuate can can play a centre-back. It's, it's been discussed on this pod and, and other pods in the past um, that, you know, we've got more defenders than we think because Kuate is is somebody that's got experience at centre-back. And to me, gentlemen, he he really did look as decent as anyone else. Yeah, completely. And if if... You know, depending on the fitness of everybody else, and it's all a bit sort of ramshackle at the, a bit at the moment in terms of personnel. You know, if he comes out of the tunnel at Vicarage Road and and slots in at centre half alongside Tompkins or Kelly or whoever it is, you know, we're we're very fortunate that we, we you know we are we are we are very blessed in that position. Um, and when you know when all those potential centre halves are fit, I you know I struggle to name. A preferred two. It's you know it's a real conundrum. Um, it's a shame we don't have that problem all over the pitch. But you know we can't be we can't be greedy. But we're certainly we're certainly secure there. And like I say, if if Kiarte slots in at centre half at the weekend, and that gives that I maybe McCarthy starts, or you know maybe gives one of the more creative midfielders a chance to come on. Um, it'd be good to see. We're in we're in safe hands at the back. We are. Although someone obviously won't be playing is Mamadou Sako. Um, the dubious honour of being the first man to be sent off uh, in prime. Um, so he's gone down in the record books for that. Do you reckon it was a harsh sending off, Eskif? Um, pro- probably not. I mean, you know, a, a lot of people have said two years ago, three years ago, that wouldn't be a red card. But, I mean, if someone did that to one of our players, if that challenge went in on Will for Andros or something... I'd probably be shouting for a red. Um, I think I think he's really unlucky in that the you know he he went for the ball and he got it and I think the Bournemouth player pushed out of it a little bit and he caught him. But I think these days when it's that high, whether you know whether it's completely intentional or not, they tend to they tend to get red cards. So um, if, if it's if it's possible to say he was unlucky, but I think it's a red then I'll go with that. That is a proper cop-out answer, but yeah, fair enough. Uh, let's just cover one thing before <laughs> we uh, cover a bit of Palace news for the week. Um, Schlupp's winner. Uh, there were some limbs in the stadium and it was only two-thirds full. Uh, Heskiff, you, so you were, you know, you're about 20 rows in front of me. What was it like? Yeah, mad. I've got, I was actually, I've got loads of bruises on my leg still um, from it. And um, the the guy who stands in front of me, who is Tom Fancett, formerly of this parish's, uh, his dad stands in front of me and he brought what I think was probably like a an exchange student because he didn't look like he spoke much English when he was being explained bit, stuff. Bit, bit racist, but carry on. But he was... Nah, he... I'm not. Uh, I've lost <laughs> my train of thought now. Um uh, Sober he, up. Oh God, it's the bubbles. Um, he loved the HF. Like he turned around and saw the HF and 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 block um, E with all the flags and that. And it like wide eyed. He was really wide eyed. And then when when Schlup 
was running through. You could see he was like really getting into the game by that point. And, and when it went in, yeah, like you say, many limbs were thrown. Um, and he was absolutely fucking loving it, which which almost made it even better seeing how, how into it he was. Um, and yeah, it, I mean, the, the atmosphere throughout the game was good, but second half, I thought the atmosphere was absolutely superb. And obviously the crescendo of it come at the goal uh, and it just shows, you know, what what a rocking atmosphere we've got when it gets going. It's, but I, I genuinely think it's untouchable in the league when we're like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, there was a there was a guy. I I think he's probably about three or four rows behind me. But after the goal went in, he f- for whatever reason, I don't think it was deliberate. I think he might have been pushed or something like that. Just saw him Superman past me, um, knocked me over on his way down, but must have gone through about four rows, like proper Klinsman dives. Um, knocks a fair few people over and I have some serious bruises on my shins from smacking the uh, the seats in front. Um, but it was pretty incredible. Um, I think people were, A, relieved because, you know, um, 10 men for, for 70 minutes uh, and B, just stunned that a very similar goal to the two that were scored against Burnley was then scored um, against Bournemouth, and it, and it feels like there's a formula, um, and and it, it, it was definitely a real feel good factor. Um, Albert, I don't think you were at the game, were you? How was it on TV? On the old Amazon Prime. Yeah, it was good. Uh, we, did you get to, you were on Amazon Prime? Yeah. Right? So, so yeah, I'm, on, I'm on now. I'm currently watching Brighton putting quite a good display against Arsenal, which is a bit worrying. Uh, yeah, it was good. I mean, I can't get to the midweek games. I, I just It's just too far away. And uh, so it was nice to have a, a uh, an easy option to find it and, and stream it. Um, but yeah, even even on even on the uh, on the TV, the, the atmosphere was was very apparent and kept cutting to the to the crowd of the HF and people with their tops off, which was mad because it must have been freezing. Um, but it was great. It was really nice just to sit there and watch it and enjoy it. And uh, yeah, it's a shame we couldn't make it. But um, yeah, I mean, if if we're going to win every time, if we're going to play like that every time we go on Amazon Prime, then I hope I hope it takes off because it was it was really it really was a nice performance to to actually sit there and be able to enjoy. Like it wasn't red card aside, there was no kind of nail biting moments, and it was it was it was like watching a it was like watching a nice. A nice family film that you've seen sort of fifty times before. It was, it was very relaxing. It was really nice to watch. Like Animal Farm or something like that. The yeah. Orwell one or the. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's leave it there. Let's have, let's go for a quick break. Uh, we'll come back with a bit of news and then uh, a preview of the Watford game. Reviews, predictions, comments and rants. Send us your voice clips on WhatsApp. 0203-575-1266. So just uh, following on from uh, discussing the Bournemouth game, um, the main thing that made um, the the headlines, made the, the papers, was uh, the HF's statement against Amazon Prime um, that they held during the game. Uh, and I was standing behind one of the banners. Uh, what, do, do they do they not like next day delivery on everything? I mean, they might. Yeah, they they they're obviously not not massive fans. Um, I'm I'm not a member of Amazon Prime, so I can't comment. But I, you know, I was fairly pissed off at the 
at the 7.30 kickoff. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm already not a fan of Monday night games, especially Sunday, 12 o'clock kickoffs, that kind of thing. So I think that, I think their point was, was a valid one. Um, but the fans that travel to the games often suffer. Um, and 7.30 is, is definitely, you know, people were still streaming in from work. One of my friends was, was, uh, 20 minutes late into the game. So, um, frustrating, but, uh, it's good that the HF, you know, they they made the evening standard, um, and it's it shows uh, that people are thinking about the fans that travel, spend their hard-earned money on going to the games, um, and it was another probably a lot of hard work went into making that banner, uh, and a lot of confused people that didn't know what it said that were just day trippers for the night holding up a banner that they didn't even know what it said, um, but they did their bit, and the flags were up in force. Uh, it felt it felt good. Um, but one of the other news stories actually came out um, just before we decided to uh, choose today to record the pod. Um, Andros Townsend wrote a wrote a blog, uh, an incredible blog uh, that came out today. Um, for those who haven't seen it or haven't read it yet, um, do one of you just want to want to talk people through the, what he says? Yeah, I had to read a bit at lunch today um, when I was sweating through my eyeballs, and. Um... Essentially, he had a, a, a gambling issue when he was um, younger, when he was early on in his career, and he was sort of being farmed out on loan and sort of said that, you know, he was a bit cocky and whilst he doesn't drink or go to clubs or any of that, he, his vice for a certain period of time was gambling and he ended up losing 46 grand in one night. Um, but, you know, he, he found help and... Um, sort of came out through the other side and it's interesting because I think a lot of a lot of people like Andros but he's quite a quiet bloke and he you know he's not flashy and you don't see him plastered all over social media and that really um so to for him to come out and say that you know he had this problem and he sought help for it and um you know Kate like I say came through the other side it was really it was a really eye-opening thing um, but what really got me as well was how well he writes. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a you know loads of short sentences with sort of saying the same thing over and over again. It was like a real explanation of how he felt and why he did what he did. And it was a, it was a brilliant read. And if you haven't read it, I would I would really uh, recommend doing so because you know it's a, it's a very interesting read. It highlights a lot of important things and and. You know, if you don't love Andros already, you certainly will after you've read that. Yeah, we've actually posted it on our Twitter at Back of the Nest. Um, a couple of things have stuck out for me. One that he he lost his brother in a car accident uh, at the age of eighteen. Uh, his older brother, who he looked up to, who um, was on the way to being a professional footballer as well. Um, that's very sad, and and clearly the um, he was trying to suggest that you know he was coping with things that he wasn't talking about to people with uh, over uh, by gambling. So, um, you know, if he'd have had a therapist or someone to chat to about losing his brother, maybe he wouldn't be quite such an addictive personality. Um, And I think that that is a a wider society issue um, and it's good that he's bringing it up. The other thing, um, he says that, you know, he's happy, happy in himself at Palace in a way that he hasn't been for the rest of his life. Um, and he sort of ends at the end by saying, you know, people say, oh, Andros Townsend, he was better when he was 22. Um, and he says, oh, you know, he doesn't mind that. 
He don't, he, he's, he's lost some of his flair play, but um, he's become a better all-round player and, and that's certainly the case. Uh, so a, a very humble man for, for somebody that's in the limelight as much as him. Um, I can't think of any Palace player I'd rather have a pint with um, other than, I suppose, maybe Wayne Hennessy to talk him through German history from about 1933 till, till 1945. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an article well worth reading. Um, and as Heskiff says, he, he can write. He's obviously a very, very intelligent man. Possibly more intelligent than any of us on this pod. Uh, but yes, let's get on to the preview uh, of Watford. Uh, so the first thing I'll say is uh, <clears throat> we lost not once, not twice, but three times to them last season. Um, so let's uh, let's have a little reminder of uh, what happened last time we went up to Vicarage Road. If you please, Sam. Back in by Horvath again, Waita came and Kapoor scored! And Watford break through in the cup tie! Oh, Mariapa's got into trouble here, and Bachuayi is in and equalises! One moment, one goal! Pereira. Scooped up towards Gray! Um, the last game was the last game that we played at Vicarage Road was a cup game, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So that would be the quarterfinal of the FA Cup. Yeah, yeah. I remember speaking of atmospheres there. I remember the atmosphere there being absolutely brilliant, especially after we equalised. And I really thought we were going to kick on and get the win there, but annoyingly, we sort of pissed about and didn't really do much. And then they scored right near the end, which was really irritating because. Even though it's a sort of fabricated rivalry, Watford do wind me up quite a bit. I don't like them at all. Um, so, you know, not playing great and then getting yourself back into it and not using that as a springboard to then go and actually beat them was very frustrating. Um, but I suppose the silver lining was that they got absolutely annihilated and embarrassed at the cup final. So, you know, small moments. It's probably one of their last decent um, results, actually. If a- <laughs> Yeah, it probably was. Um, so, yeah, I'm ho- obviously our, our results against them last year were not great. And I'm hoping this year that we can sort of right that wrong. Um, me being the man that I am and then being bottom of the league and crap uh, makes me think that we're going to louse it up somehow. But, um, yeah, we can hope that we improve on, on last year's debacles. Yeah, well, it can't really get much worse. I mean, recent Watford results the last month, um, they just lost this week. 2-0 away at Leicester. Uh, you know, there'll be better teams than Watford losing 2-0 to Leicester, including ourselves. Um, they lost 2-1 away at Southampton after leading 1-0. I think that's probably the, the one that's that's really hurt them. That's the one that lost the, the manager, well, the second manager this season, his job. Uh, before that, the 3-0 home defeat to Burnley. Was, I watched the highlights of that. That was pathetic. Uh, they did beat Norwich, um, which looked like it might be them turning a corner, but it seemed like a full storm. And before that, they lost to Chelsea. So, um, 
this is a side that obviously is in poor form and, and it's reflected in the fact that they're, they're bottom of the league. Um, but there's a couple of things that worry me. Uh, the first is that obviously in temporary charge at the moment is, is, is Hayden Mullins. Um, and what well, I mean, tell me, tell me your memories of Hayden Mullins as a Palace player. Um, mine is, is mainly him wearing that kind of balloon of a, a shirt that we had back in the early 2000s uh, that actually dwarfed him. But he was a great player for us and, and it feels a bit weird that he's going to be facing us on Saturday. My memories of Hayden Mullins, albeit I was quite young when he was sort of in the team, my memories of Hayden Mullins is never being quite sure what his best position was. And that's not that's not having a go at him, saying he not saying he was any good, but you know, he'd be he'd be like centre half, then all of a sudden he'd be in midfield or at full back. Um but he, you know, he racked up a lot of games for us, didn't he, really? And then did he where did he go off? Was it Portsmouth? I'll have a look while you Was keep it Portsmouth? And then, but then he did the thing where he turned up at Charlton at some point. So, I mean, like I say, I, my memories of him, he was around for years and then he kind of seemed to like go to all the clubs that we don't like. Didn't he go to West, West Ham? That's right, West Ham. Don't like them. <laughs> um, no. Yeah, it's got, got, got quite a shady, shady uh, list of clubs post-Palace. Um, West Ham, Pompey. Yeah. Birmingham City oh. finished his career in Notts County. Notts County, that's fair enough. But um, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't realise he was associated with Watford at all. Um, so when they sort of announced on the on the radio that he was the man in charge, that was a real shock. But um, you know, I I've got no emotion there really. I, I hope we we stick another few goals past them and compound the misery. Well. The other thing is, uh, Paddy Power posted today that uh, one Alan Pardew has been slashed from thirty-three to one to eight to one to be uh, to be the next Watford manager. So, so what do you think about that, Eskif? Uh, get him in, hundred um, percent. I think he's just the man that a club in turmoil needs to alpha his way around the club and send them right back down to the Championship. I would absolutely. You love don't it. want him. You don't want him they, being given the job before Saturday, though. No, um, I don't think he will. It's too late now, isn't it? I reckon. I'm sure he's. I'm sure he's knocking on the door somewhere. But I'm sure he can have a nice little dance with Harry the Harry the Hornet or whatever. If, he's, if he's going to be involved, um, he'll be sitting somewhere in the stands wearing a cravat and sunglasses, trying to look inconspicuous, but at the same time, trying to make everyone look at him. Um, I actually posted, reposted the uh, the Paddy Power comment on Twitter today. Um, you know, quite derisory. And uh, a gentleman, I'm not going to give him the oxygen of publicity by saying his name. What's your problem with Pardew? At least there was some excitement and I seem to recall a cup final. Your podcasts were worth listening to back then as well. Now we get the same old, same old yawn. So uh, I told him that he can feel free to stop listening. Um, so hopefully he has. Uh, and Well, I think that coincides with the time that I started doing them. So I probably should take that. Yeah, so at this point, I say, hello, Dad. Hope you're well. <laughs> yes. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. So, I mean, look, the other thing that worries me 
is that uh, Troy Deeney was back for the Leicester game. Um, and I don't know if I'm uh, a bit of a victim of um, talk sport and, and other places saying, oh, Watford are going to be all right when Troy Deeney's back. I don't know how fit he is, whether he's 100% fit or, or, you know, and I don't remember him being the kind of player that could change a club's fortunes on his own. Um, you know, his, his shithousery has messed clubs around before. I remember the, the, the win against Arsenal last season uh, and the comments he made afterwards. So is anyone else worried that Danny's back? Do you think it'll make a difference? I, th- I think it's more that I think he'll do all right because I don't like him. That tends to be how I base my completely irrational decisions and anything. Um, it, but uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't really followed Watford too much, to be honest. Um, I saw that their £40 million man got his first goal against Southampton. So at least that's that's chalked off. Um, but I think, well, it, it's hard to say, in it? But I think our defence, going by their, their previous... Um, few performances, whoever's been in the defence are, are not really ones to get bullied too much. So, hopefully, whether he's in or not, we'll be able to we'll be able to cope with him. The thing that worries me about Deeney coming back into the team isn't necessarily, you know, his quality or anything like that. I think you you think back to the last few. You know, let's go perfect case in case in point. The three losses last season. You know, they are Watford are at their best when they're in full shithouse mode and the person that really leads that charge for them and and encourages that is Mr. Deeney himself. So, like I say, I'm not necessarily concerned about his footballing prowess, but just that kind of shithouse talismanic quality that he brings to that team is can be hugely frustrating. And, you know, the... the even even before last season, when we when we lost there, when was it Kapua tried to rip off Wilf's Achilles with his studs? You know they they really they really do sort of bite and spit their way to victories against us. And if he's in the team, that the sort of the likelihood of that happening kind of increases. So hopefully we can still keep them in their bad run on Saturday, and and we won't be won't have to suffer seeing Troy Deeney celebrating with his god-awful grin. Um, what I am hoping, you mentioned that Kapu challenge. Now, at least now we've got VAR, you would think that, that their sort of massive shit housing against Wilf, won't be, they won't be able to get away with it quite True as enough. much. True enough. Guys, guys I've um, got to stop you there. Um, you know, this. all right, this is a podcast. You, you listen to this a day later. I've got Amazon Prime on the Arsenal Brighton game. Brighton winning. Don't like to see it. It's just gone to half time. Who's in the studio? Give you a clue. He's got glasses on, not wearing a cravat. Hey. He's oh. literally in my living room. You can't escape him. You can't escape him. And I live in Watford. It's an omen. He's going to be the next Watford manager. <laughs> I was going to say, because presumably you're not going to be too bothered if Palace leaves, because, you know, Watford are going to at win. Least it's a short, at least it's a short journey home. I can't dwell on it too much. Whereas if we lose at Sellers, I have to sit in the car for an hour and a half and and really think about it. Yeah. No, I hate them. I hate. I hate them. I hate them. Uh, it, it's just an awful club, awful club. And I don't know if anyone saw it on Twitter. I, I noticed they've got a a a club shop in the local shopping centre, 
that's on the first floor and I said it should clearly it should be on the bottom floor but I, you know I, I kind of feel like I'm in deep in enemy territory and I have to kind of watch watch my lip I mean they they probably had harsher burns than that in the in the past but um yeah I mean if we beat them I mean they're in deep trouble anyway um but if if we get three points off them um they're bang in trouble and and there's a lot of teams that keep picking up points where we didn't expect them to at the start of the season so um other than Norwich and and maybe arguably Southampton who obviously beat them um there's not too many teams that you'd say you probably expect anyone to get three points against you know it's a real toss-up this season so it's great to see that Watford are doing as badly as they are um let's get on to predictions so in the spirit of Terence uh, I always try to be a poor man's Terence as much as possible. I put up a poll earlier today, um, pointing out that we were doing the podcast and asking what people's predictions were after the game. So for a win, I went with Isaac. Success. See what I did there? See what I did there? It's probably quite on the nose, that one. Uh, and then next <clears throat> for a draw, well, Beck deserved draw. Yeah. Uh, and then Andre Grade Day defeat. Oh, yeah. See, uh, all of them, all of them, absolute gold. Uh, so two, <laughs> two thirds of you, sixty-seven percent went for Isaac success. Thirteen uh, percent went for Welbeck deserved draw. Uh, sorry, thirteen uh, percent. And Andre Gray, twenty percent. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of positivity. Um, I feel that that's maybe uh, setting us up for a fall, but then I am pretty negative. So um, what are your predictions, gentlemen? Albert, you first. Oh, uh, I'm strangely, yeah, I'm confident in this one. I really, really hope that we, I think we're going to put three past them. I think we're going to win three nil. Jesus. Mm. Three. Yeah. Who have we scored three against this season so far? Uh, no one. We've not scored three goals in the game have, this season. Okay, he's nah. optimistic. Uh, what? So three without reply. Um, three. Yeah. Yeah. I. I. I nearly went three-one. Just that 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 Troy Deeney thing's niggling me, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stand firm and say three-nil. Okay. And who who's scoring? Uh well, I'm gonna go. Schlupp's gonna go three and three. He's gonna be three for three. Wilf is Wilf is really due a uh what I would call a vintage performance against Watford. So I think he'll get on the score sheet, and I think um there'll be a there'll be a right at the end there'll be a cynical a cynical scything down of somebody like Wilf, and Luca will slot a penalty away. Okay, I like that optimism. Heskiff? Um, I've convinced myself now because of how crap they're doing that they're going to beat us. So I'm going to say 2-1 to Watford, unfortunately. And I think Jordan Ayew will score for us. Right, because the first time that you went for a win in history, we got one. So you don't want to stick with that. You want want to give up on that the very next episode. Well... I don't want to. I don't want to ruin the. I don't want to jinx the, 
the gold. So we've got a game coming against coming up against Brighton. So maybe I'll I'll return to winning ways there. Okay, two one. Uh, so a convincing win for Albert. A very very depressing loss for Heskiff. Uh, I'm going to go for a draw because I I I feel like Watford are going to raise their game, um, and they're just going to put in one of those aforementioned shit house performances um, and going to stress people out. Hopefully, Wilf is true to his words from his interview the other day and he's going to stop listening to people. He's going to stop getting rolled up, um, stop letting people upset him. And if that's the case, I think he will run rings around them. Um, but I feel if anyone can get under his skin, it's probably Watford. So I'm going to go one apiece, uh, which I think would be a disappointing result. But uh, And I will go for an IU goal because... Um, he's gone at least two games without one, so obviously he's due. Um, obviously, if we win, then we're going to still be in the European places. If we lose, um, maybe we can kiss the European trips goodbye, uh, and that would be very sad. So, just before we go, um, a couple of things to request. If you could just uh, subscribe to us uh, on your podcast app, apparently that makes a big difference to people hearing us as well as leaving reviews. Uh, or follow us on Spotify. More and more people are listening to us on Spotify. That's very kind. Um, there'll be a review show on Sunday night hosted by Hambo. Uh, I'm not sure who else is joining him yet. but And then obviously Love Sport back on Tuesday or you can re-listen to this week's episode now on your pod stream. Um, follow us on all the socials and then if you want to leave some voice clips after the game as we've done today we'll play them out for you so until Sunday and the review show let's all hope that we can take Watford down um, and make ourselves very happy for the weekend enjoy it the 90th minute all your mates around you've got your mcnugget share boxes ready to go your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget snatching all three points perfect order mcdelivery now on the mcdonald's app you in at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.